You are listening to the official podcast of Grace Atumwa, Episode 3. But what does serving on a team have to do with following Jesus? Previously, we've heard about the importance of serving on a team. But what does that mean practically? And is it really necessary? We'll find out in today's episode, based upon Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 through 20, and Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chris Childs. There was a bully who followed me through school. I don't know if you had that as your experience, but that was part of mine. When I thought, when I heard all my friends, heard talk about going out for Little League, and when I thought about joining, that bully said, what do you think you're doing? You can't throw. And so I didn't. And when I thought about going out for track or cross country, that same bully said, Chris, who do you think you are? You can't run. You can't run fast. Remember that fifth grade field day when you got the participation award because you came in last in every single race? And when my friends were going out to football, that bully said, this is not for you. You're not the right fit for this. And others were talking about doing wrestling. And that bully said, you're just going to get beat up. You don't stand a chance. You can never learn. I had the ex- same experience when I thought about basketball. You can't dribble. You can hardly drool. And it was the same in academics. You're not as smart as this person. I remember in in seventh grade science, I don't even remember what what the subject was, but that bully talked me into not even bothering to study anymore because I didn't have what it took. And when a group of friends were doing something, And I felt that desire to jump in and say, hey, I can be there. That bully said, they'll ask you if they want you to join in. And when it was time to speak up for what's right, that bully said, Chris, you talk funny. You're really terrible with words. You just stumble over them. You're just going to make a fool out of yourself. Have you ever known a bully? Have you ever known a bully that just made your life miserable? It's like they knew what you were going to do and they knew the thing to say to stop you. In the scripture we just read, Romans 12, 4 to 8, it's a letter written by the apostle Paul. And Paul was writing to a church. And he says to the church, he says, There are many parts of the body. 
and we're all part of the one body of Christ. Nobody is more, nobody is less. We're all part of the body of Christ. So someone, he used the same analogy in 1 Corinthians, someone might be a hand. And someone else might be a foot. And someone might be a nose, and some might be a forehead, and some might be a mouth, and some might be a chin. It's a funny illustration. Paul wasn't the first to use it. But it's a fun, funny illustration. He says, if there was no mouth, so to speak, and all the world were noses, how would we eat? If the whole world was noses and there, or if all the whole world was mouths and there were no noses, how would we smell? And Paul says this. He says, every part of the body is valuable. You know, it's different than the way others who use the same analogy at his time were using it. A few years before Paul, the emperor was using that analogy. The emperor of Rome said, he was dealing with a peasant uprising. And he says, hold on a second, stop uprising. We're all parts of the same body. So stay in your place. Paul uses it differently. He says, we're all parts of the same body. Your place is valuable. You have something to offer. And no one should treat any part of the body as less than. Now, why would Paul have to say this? Why would Paul have to say that no one should treat any part of the body as inferior or less than? That the hand should never scorn the foot because it gets dirty. Because this hand would get lost without that foot. Why would Paul have to say this? Because even in the beginning, there were bullies in the church. There are people we've all experienced in life. There are always people who say, I am better than you. And I speak to you today knowing that some people have been hurt by bullies. Sometimes in school, sometimes at work, sometimes in your own family. Bullies who say you're less than, you can't, you're not capable. Sometimes accidentally. <laughs> and then maybe it's too harsh to call them bullies. But you see how great they are that they can do this and this and this and this. And they're always volunteering. And you say to yourself, well, that's the standard I'll never measure up. And that's the other issue. Can you imagine this first early church? People not believing that they are gifted to serve God. I can because I've talked to some today. Many people, most people, have this belief that some other people out there have the ability to do something great to follow God and then these others don't. Paul just turns this around and he says, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for God. You're doing it by God. And he begins to list out these different ways that someone might serve. He says, you might serve by prophecy. He says prophecy first of all. I don't know about you, but I, when I hear the word prophecy, I think, 
this is a person who's speaking for God. That you only do that by a miraculous hand of God. I told you before, Paul wasn't the first to talk about using this body image of we're all part of one body, right? He also wasn't the first to even be listing out here's these different ways that someone might be serving somewhere, right? He's not the first to say that. But he is really unusual by beginning with prophecy. Because when someone creates a list in the ancient world, they start with the, the guiding thing that explains the things that follow it. And when Paul starts with prophecy, which everyone knows is a special gift from God, what he's saying is everything else in the list you're doing because of a special gift from God. Whether it's prophecy or service, working with your hands, or teaching, or encouraging, or giving, or leading, or helping someone in need, you're doing it for God. And you're doing it by the power of God at work in and through you. There's no distinction. Yes, they're different. Yes, they're different gifts, different ways of serving, but all are valued and valuable. Paul had to deal with the bullies in the church. He said that some are higher than others. And today... I wonder if you have a bully in your house. I wonder if you have a bully in your house who eats food from your fridge and who sits in your chair and who watches your TV. Because I can tell you from my own experience, I am my own bully. That bully that followed me through school, his name was Chris Childs. He followed me everywhere he went. Everywhere I went, that bully said, you can't, you're not able, you're not worthy, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, someone is better than you. You're not the kind of person who could. And the sad truth is I listened to that bully. The sad truth is I heard that voice and I listened to it for far too many years. And I know because you've told me you hear that same voice. And that bully has a different name. But you hear that voice and that voice holds you back. We talked earlier about physical appearances. As we were getting ready for worship, we were talking about the thing in your physical appearance that bothers you the most. And sometimes that's the part that holds you back. Or maybe it's your own competence or physical ability. Maybe it's part of your story. Maybe it's these are just the skill sets that you have and you think those aren't good enough. Do you think Peter ever heard the voice of this bully? 
picture Peter with me. Picture Peter. We heard the story a minute ago of Peter as he's cleaning his nets. We saw a little fast forward here, but imagine with me, he's a fisherman. He cleans his nets day after day. And he makes small talk with the other fishermen, cleaning his net, cleaning their nets. And as he's cleaning his nets, he hears talk about this Jesus, this rabbi, this teacher. This person that goes around saying, repent, turn your life around, change your mind, because the kingdom of heaven is around the corner, coming this way. It's about to land in your lap. Get ready for it. And Peter is cleaning his nets and he hears about this Jesus. And someone asks, do you think he's looking for disciples? And can you picture Peter just saying, not from the lot of us? Because Peter and his friends, they know what they know. And they do what they know. They know how to fish. Peter Probably knows how to run a small business, his little fishing operation there. But Peter, he doesn't know how to speak. Not publicly. He wasn't trained as an orator. He doesn't know how to lead. He doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut at the appropriate times, which is truly a skill. He doesn't know how to teach. He doesn't know how to write or how to read. And Peter doesn't know the scriptures. He doesn't know the story of God well enough that he would ever be picked by a rabbi. When a rabbi picked someone, they used these words of initiation. They said, come, follow me. Peter knew. He'd never hear those words, and he made peace with that. What does Peter know? Peter knows that he's not cut out to walk in the footsteps of a rabbi like, the, like Jesus. But then Jesus comes. And he's given the same message he always gives. It's time to repent. I know you've been walking in one way of life. It's time to change your mind about how to live, about what the good life is about, about who you are and who God is and what's happening in this world. The kingdom of heaven is going to land in your lap. Are you ready for it? And then he turns to Peter and says, come, you, follow me. I'll make you someone who can fish for people. I'll teach you to do what I do. What did Jesus see in Peter? Sure, Peter had some skills that would prove helpful. I mean, every good rabbi still needs to eat. And Peter can fish. And those skills were even called upon. And sure, his experience leading a small business, that probably was pretty helpful. He had some skills there that he may not have even realized how valuable they were. But Jesus is not calling Peter because he's qualified. 
Jesus didn't take resumes and applications from everyone in the area and pick out the best and the brightest and the most prepared. God does not call the qualified. God equips the called. What did Jesus see in Peter? Jesus saw Peter. What does Jesus see in you? Jesus sees you. He knows your weaknesses. Jesus knows everything in your life that you're ashamed or embarrassed of. Just as Jesus knows everything in mine. He knows what you know how to do and what you don't know how to do. And those places where you say, I don't have anything to offer. Those might be the places where God's light is going to shine most through you. As people who follow Jesus, who've answered that call, come, follow me. We are invited to say yes. We're going to follow Jesus with everything we've got, everything inside of us. To not hold back. To truly believe that Jesus does see that thing in us. I've talked to people who say, I'm not a teacher. I don't know scripture well enough. When I get in a room with other people connected to a church, I get really scared that someone's going to ask me a question and I won't know the answer. Okay. I respect that. And that fear of being seen as not enough is real. And there's a place for every person to serve. Here at Grace, we're putting teams together. We're putting teams together with people of a whole variety of skills and abilities. Everyone is called. Everyone's called to different things. And I ask, if you haven't done it yet, you received an email this past couple weeks. You receive it again this week. It's also um, being posted to our Facebook page, a link to a survey that says, here's who you are. And I'll be the first to tell you it's not a definitive survey of this is who you are and everything you are and who you always will be. It's a starting place. Just as Jesus, with his first calling to Peter, said, follow me and I'll make you fish. For people. If Jesus said that someone like me, I'd stop and say, Jesus, I don't even know how to fish for fish. In the same way, Jesus calls us to start with where we are. So a survey is a way of just saying, where are you? What do you enjoy doing? What do you love to do? Is it paint? Is it draw? Do you like computers? Do you hate computers? When you're on a team, What's that usually like for you? Do you prefer getting things done or do you prefer discussing ideas? What's the right fit? So I ask, if you haven't already, this week, click that link and answer those four questions. There's just four questions in the survey. Answer them. 
And then over these next few weeks and months, as we prepare for our relaunch phase, and during this time where we are doing vibrant ministry online, connecting with more people week after week than we ever have before, where people are experiencing the grace and love of Jesus Christ, I ask that you click that link so that we can contact you as different opportunities arise and say, based on what you've said, we think this might be the right fit. Would you be interested in trying it out for a few weeks and see what you think? And it's just a starting place. And none of us know in what ways God is going to equip us to do far more than we ever expected. It's about starting somewhere and trusting God. Trusting the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit to lead us and empower us and transform us each day. Would you pray with me? Lift up your hands. Holy God, I am yours. And you love me. I'm choosing, I'm repenting, I'm changing my mind to believe that you love me. That you made me. That you don't look at me with disgust and disappointment. You look at me with love. I'm choosing to believe that you can bring good out of all things. Even the things that I struggle to see good in. And today I commit myself. That I will serve you in the ways that you call me to as you reveal them to me. I don't know what they are yet, but if you're leading me, I trust you enough that I'll follow you in that direction. I trust you and I pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you found today's podcast meaningful, we invite you to subscribe to all of the podcasts from Grace Atumla. Grace is a congregation of the United Methodist Church located in Otumwa, Iowa. For more information on this podcast or other information on the ministries of Grace Atumwa, you can find us on the web at www.graceotumwa, spelled O-T-T-U-M-W-A, dot org. Thank you for listening.